Welcome to episode 76 of No Shot Clock, the Chicago High School Basketball Podcast. I'm Michael O'Brien from the Chicago Sun-Times, here with Joe Hendrickson of the City Suburban Hoops Report. Joe, are you ready for the final week of the regular season? Final week, slow week coming up, and then we obviously get into the fun stuff. I mean, a week from today, actually, we're recording on Monday morning, and a week from today, regional play in 3A and 4A will begin, which... It's just like a three-week sprint to Peoria, and but we do have to get through this final regular season week with. It's not really going to have much drama involved in this week either. After the past weekend of a lot of big games, this past weekend that we um, that we were able to see starting with the city semifinals and the city final on uh, Sunday. Joe, there's going to be some drama in Naperville. Wheaton South and Naperville North. Oh, play. that's true. That's true. <laughs> so, like, yes. Wouldn't There's totally count little, out. Yeah. Little drama there in the DuPage Valley, yes. <laughs> Might go over and check that out just for people to yell at me. Um, all right, this week the uh, plan is we're going to do the um, go through some questions. I didn't make a ton of calls out because we went through so many last time. But we got four or five to get through. Then Joe and I will do our two takes, as always. And then we are going to kind of start to take a look at the uh, playoffs, the 3A and 4A brackets. We're going to talk about some teams we've picked out, go through the sectionals, five seeds and below that may be able to make some noise in the playoffs. Next week, we'll have our kind of big full breakdown of all the regionals and sectionals and stuff. So uh, let's start it up with these questions. And we got the first one here is from Justin Bauman. He says, do you think Chicago, the Chicago area needs a marquee event outside of the holiday tournaments and the CPS final? I think Joe put on a great event at Glenbard East this year with some good matchups. But my thinking was something like the city suburban shootout that would pack Welsh Ryan with amazing matchups. I think a post-holiday pre-March Madness showcase could generate some enthusiasm for the game. Heck, even something like they did at Navy Pier, just in an arena and later in the season. Yeah, I mean... There's a lot of dynamics that have gone into why these aren't happening quite as much. One, the IHSA rule where a promoter or an individual person cannot have an event in an arena. So Chicago League Classic gets away with that, um, you know, at the beginning of the year. Not get away with it, but because of it being a joint venture between Simeon and Young, it goes through the high school, so they're able to do it. But... Uh, you know, the other thing is, Mike, you know, this goes across the board of high school basketball is there, for whatever reason, and there's a lot of them, that these events, as far as drawing big crowds, they just, it's just not what it used to be. I mean, it's really difficult. And the other part of it is there is not, in my personal opinion is, what drives big crowds to those events are superstars big name players and we have just been lacking those the last few years because i mean there were he mentioned the event i put you know together i mean they're all ranked teams they were some of the best players in the state um but it was a nice crowd but it it, you know it's just all those factors i just kind of mentioned come together and it's really hard to resemble what in the heyday of what the city suburban uh showdown was at Welsh Ryan Arena. Yeah, um, obviously, the, losing the city suburban is a, it's a definite loss to the calendar. They had a really nice crowd there last year for an event that ended up being kind of sabotaged by you know Morgan Park and Simeon not really caring, but the the crowd was great. I think the city suburban in the end suffered a little bit. Obviously, totally a hundred percent from what Joe said from that rule change with the promoters not able to go to the college um, venues, but also. The, the calendar, I don't know, everything after the regional and sectional pairings come out seems meaningless. Um, and, and that was a, yeah. always an issue for me. I didn't like the timing of the city suburban. I wished it was earlier in February. Um, right. So I, I think, so I think Justin's right. That would be a nice spot that early February um, kind of spot on the calendar. If we could get a nice event there, maybe not shoot for a college arena, but maybe a really big, you know, high school place, something. I think it'll work itself out, especially like Joe said, if we get the stars back, um, that'll help. Next up, it's T-Dog in Bloomington. He's becoming a regular. 
Um, he's got complaint. It's a long email, too long, I think, for us to really get into. But complaints about where the regionals are being held. Um, for instance, Bloomington has to travel to Rock Island, which is 140 miles each way on a school night. Um, and I think they're playing Danville there. And Danville's only 82 miles away. So it's all kind of goofy. We've got that a few different places. I think Moline is also in that Dan. Yeah, T-Dog says Moline's in the Danville regional. That's 213 miles. So it's it's the old problem about with the four-class basketball, the stretched-out regionals. Um, yeah, and that's with the that's in the the um, what do you call it? The two sectionals are split into uh, subsectionals. Yeah, that's with, the and they still have it. <laughs> so, but I, I was just talking to the Rock Island coach this morning and uh, Tom Tom Siegel, and they're hosting their their regional and the top two seeds there. So Bloomington could play Normal West in a regional final, which Bloomington and Normal West obviously are probably three and a half miles apart from each other, maybe five. And they will be traveling to Rock Island to play each other in a regional final, which just sounds crazy to me. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I would. Is my crazy? Is this a crazy idea, Mike, to have a contingency plan in in place? No. Like, okay, guys, if normal's if normal West is playing Bloomington, let's see if we can play Friday night at Illinois Wesleyan or something to that effect. Instead of making these two teams and two fan bases drive two plus hours to Rock Island to play each other when they're five miles apart, um, I, don't, I just, I mean, I get if Rock Island's playing it, you know, in the semifinal they'd be playing Bloomington, but come on, just, I, I don't know. It, it's in certain cases, I think you just have to use some common sense. Yeah, I mean, we've been through this a number of times over the years, but there's so many options, you know. Higher seed hosts until we get to the sectional. I mean, what? A, there's just a million things we could do um, right. that would help. Um, clearly, two teams playing in a neutral gym far away from both of them is the least practical <laughs> option. And I guess that's what, I, yeah, that's the, that's the biggest point. How crazy and ridiculous is that? And... And what you just said, it's the least, <laughs> if you heard, I mean, yeah. it's, it's like you had to pick out one, the worst case yeah. scenario, that's it. And that's what we've got. So yes, T-Dog, it's extremely frustrating. I, I don't know what to say. Um, it's bad. Uh, next up, Steve Johnson. He says, below are five big upsets. Uh, what other game surprised you this year? He has Lockport over Bolingbrook. Shocker. RB over Fenwick. Shocker. Providence over St. Rita. Shocker. Joliet West over Oswego East. Nah. <laughs> I got to take issue with this one. Uh, St. Pat's <laughs> over Marion Catholic. So that was a surprising one. Uh, Joe and I kind of ran through a list. Did you write it down, Joe? Yeah. In a year of no upsets, which is I've, I've, I've kind of quote-unquote, called it because of just this craziness of this 2017-2018 year. But, uh, you know, Addison Trail over Hinsdale South was a, you know, it's that's pretty big. I mean, um, I think Addison Trail about 500. Hinsdale South is a chance to win a, a sectional. Uh, Eisenhower was 7-17 seven and 17 right now. They beat Brother Rice uh, earlier this season. Uh, Morton, which is 12 and 14 under 500, obviously, and they, they beat two of the – they were in the thick of things in that conference race in the West Suburban Gold uh, because of wins over Proviso East and Willowbrook. So those were a couple of upsets. Um, St. Vider has been on the downside of a couple. Lake Forest got them earlier in the year as well as Glenbrook South. And um, he mentioned Providence over St. Rita. Matia Valley has been playing well of late. But I think that was a pretty big upset when they knocked off Wheaton South last week. Uh, but, yeah, it, it hasn't been – I mean, the stunners were probably a, a couple of the ones that, that uh, he, he mentioned. He mentioned. Yeah. yeah, yeah. and for Viator fans, there's like a nice subsect of people on the, uh, mess, on, the mess, on the comment section of the website that think I have some – massive bone to pick with St. Viator. Those games Joe mentioned are why Joe Viator, or why Viator weren't in the rankings earlier and why they are not as high as some teams they've beaten, like Marion Catholic and um, Bennett and that kind of stuff. But they, they have some bad losses, and there's just no way 
around them. Yeah, yeah. Lake Forest is ten and fourteen, and they knocked them off. And then obviously, um, Glenbrook South, who's zero and ten in the in the tough Central Suburban League South. But I mean, they're zero and ten and seven and eighteen overall, and those are two losses for for Vider. Uh, kind of interesting though. All of those games we that Steve mentioned, all the ones that we just mentioned, there's not one in the public league. Um, in a year of you know, all this crazy stuff happening, things just went totally according to what you would expect in the CPS, totally in the playoffs and even in the regular season. You know, there was yes. the Lincoln Park win over Young, you know, in double overtime or whatever at the time was a pretty big shocker. But, I mean, that's not some crazy upset. So it, it was very much a uh, favorites winning in the CPS. Let's see. Next up, Jay Reddy. Jay says, I'm a – Jay sent this late. Last night, I think. So he, he's asking some stuff here that Joe and I, I, I apologize, we aren't completely ready to hit, but we'll do our best. He says, I am a hoops junkie who focused more on college and pro until it looked like my son would make the varsity at his high school. I love your coverage and have questions and comments. Um, he wants to know what our biggest advice is to parents, is the first question. <laughs> oh, ah. Uh... Yeah, do you have, I, uh... <laughs> Biggest advice to parents for in what regard? I guess for high school basketball. Um, I hope they wouldn't ask us for advice on other things. <laughs> we would not be the two <laughs> to do uh, yeah. that. Um, well, I, I, dude, my biggest piece of advice is to keep your distance from, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. from all things. Uh, I know it's fun to engage and I mean, I've never. Under, I mean, the 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 attack. There, there's a. I guess this is just our culture now, but there is a fine line between attacking and fun little debates. You know what I mean? I mean this. The vendettas that people think that Mike and I have uh, over teams or players, they're, they're just really not there. Um, you know, Mike and I will disagree and talk about teams that we disagree on, and people will make it and turn it, I think, into, well, if, if Joe is talking about A and Mike hates A, then Mike hates A. I mean, it's not really Team A. I'm not, do you know what I mean? It's just yeah, it's it's... kind of venturing off of what the question was. But um, I, I just mean stay away from – engaging in that stay away from interfering with the what the coach is trying to do with his program and his team and his and his playing time for his players i i just just keep your distance is my biggest thing gosh it's just boiled over in the last i don't know 10 15 years to the point compared to when i first started doing this and a lot of it has to do with technology and social media i get you know they're just access whether it be through twitter or email or texting or getting your phone number or whatever it might be but yeah, that that's my one piece of advice. Yeah, mine would be you know I think it's difficult. I don't think I'm the best person for this. You know I don't have any children. Um, I don't have any, and I don't have any that played high school basketball. My little brother did play, and you know we're about eight years different, so I was significantly older than him, and kind of went through some of this stuff. He uh, sat the bench basically on a very good Joliet Township team back when they were combined. Um, played with Roger Powell and stuff. So my advice, kind of based on that, and just in general, would be. Enjoy this. I mean, this must it must be super fun to watch your son or daughter or whoever play a high school basketball season, especially on a really good team. I mean, just I know it's probably difficult, but don't get so worked up about everything. Just try to enjoy it. It's going to be a couple years. If he gets a scholarship out of it, I'm sure that's awesome. But don't let all these little things kind of ruin your enjoyment of what should be a really fun time. Because I feel like I see that a lot now. People are just getting worked up. Um, and it should be fun. It's high school basketball. <laughs> it should be. Yeah, you can see. Uh, second question here from Jay. He says, uh, at the Public League Championship, I noted that Kawan Clements did a lot of the little things well that don't make a stat sheet. He nevertheless had a good stat line and has been recognized as having some great games this season. Are there other players you have seen who you think of as Shane Battier like no-stat all-stars? Guys who make hockey assists, set the right pick, tap, tip and tap rebounds to keep them alive, and stop fast breaks with good defensive positioning. In my mind, these are not just glue guys, but actual stars whose best contributions might not show up as big numbers. 
I don't think I got that email, that question, uh, or I missed it, yeah. so I did not prepare for that one. Um, I mean, th- there's they're all over. Um, if I went team by team, I guess I could pinpoint a few. But yeah, I think last night, I think on Or they've got one, Emmanuel O'Neill. Um, right. He does a lot of stuff. He even accepted losing his starting role because of the transfers that came in. And I just feel like when Emmanuel O'Neill is in the game, it just things work a little better for Orr. You know, he's willing to pass. He plays good defense. He, he got some huge rebounds as soon as he checked in this time. Um, he's not a star. I do think, you know, he could maybe play at an NAI or a low place just because he's got some abilities and some size. Um, but, yeah, like Joe said, there are an awful lot of those guys around – um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, Yusufu and Cochran and those guys for Bowling Brook. I mean, Joey Soraco has been a, you know, he doesn't put up huge numbers. The big, the big boy from Bowling Brook, yeah. and oh, you know, he's won. Um, but again, I, I it, it's um, it's it, it's interesting to see some of the star laden teams more for me. You know, when you see like an Orr or Simeon. Um, that develop those guys and and Kiwan Clements is a Division One prospect who does little things, but <laughs> you're, you're talking about a team that's just loaded with, you know, you got two high majors, you got uh, numerous Division One players for Simeon. Yeah, so, yeah. Sorry about that, Jay. We uh, it was a long night and we got that email late, so we weren't able to do a ton. Um, next up, last question is Scott. Um, he says, Mike, you tweeted over the weekend at the Simeon Orr game about how none of the kids are staying home at Illinois schools. Um, he says, I flipped through the rosters of the D1 schools for Illinois players. I did not separate upstate or downstate. Most teams had between 15 and 17 players. Then he goes through the list. Oddly, he left out Loyola, I think, which probably has the most. Mm-hmm. Um He's got Northwestern with six, U of I with seven. Well, maybe that's about the same as Loyola, but anyway... Um, he says, some Illinois players are staying home, but in all honesty, the players staying home are not a who's who of Illinois basketball. There are a few, the above-mentioned Barrett Benson, Mark Smith, Tarkus Ferguson, etc. Um, basically, his question is, there are a fair amount of Illinois kids on the rosters, just not big names. Is that because Illinois high school talent is down? Some of the high-level high school kids are leaving. Um, he mentions, you know, some of the kids who've left, like Namari Burnett and Lee Hall. Um he says, are the Illinois D1 colleges just not attractive enough for the high-level kids to choose to stay here? There's just so many factors involved that it really kind of delves into a lot of different, might go down a lot of different roads. I mean, one right now, we're, we've been at the point where winning matters and the local schools have not won. So you'd have to go backtrack and say, okay, well, they were winning at one point, a lot of these schools. Uh, when did, you know, who let that when did that trend start to shift? Because now it is, I mean, Northwestern made the NCAA tournament last year, and no one, you know, Loyola got a shot this year uh, if they win the Missouri Valley Conference tournament. But it's become not, it used to be the norm. I mean, we had a, a school or two, multiple schools, I did a story on it, for 25-plus years where there was at least one, if not two or three, schools from Illinois in the NCAA tournament. That has gone by the wayside in the last six, seven years. And so they're not winning. It becomes less attractive. There, But there's other factors. You know, there are certain kids that want high academics. And if you look at our schools in Illinois, yes, Northwestern for high major, great academics. Illinois is Illinois. But, you know, Loyola's. But there's not a lot of great academic institutions that play Division I basketball in Illinois. And um, they're leaving. I mean, uh, could Justin Pierce from Glenbard West, who is killing it at William & Mary right now, killing it. Um, you know, Jimmy Sotos from Conant, another one. I mean, they left the Midwest because of the academic options that are available to them elsewhere. That's another, you know, road that goes down. Um, and I think the idea that years ago, if you left, you know, the local area here, you weren't seen or heard from right now with I mean, everybody can follow anybody now on, on, you know, whether it be on the many ESPN stations or Fox sports or whatever it is TV wise. In addition to parents and family being able to pull up their computer and basically watch anybody play on any, at any time, uh, any home game uh, through streaming and things like that. 
So that's part of it too, I think. Um, but I think it gets down to at the core coaching staffs and winning. And it's no mystery of what Lyola has been doing under Porter Mosier. He is Porter Mosier is one of the most active head coach recruiters anywhere at any level. I mean, I, I compared to other head coaches, he is more active involved in recruiting than anybody. And they have recruited very well. People forget they made a jump up from the Horizon League to the Missouri Valley just recently. And all of a sudden now there's some things that have helped Wichita State leaving the Missouri Valley, the biggest reason, but that have helped their progression to be atop of the Missouri Valley. But look, I mean, you've got Dante Ingram from Simeon, who is a senior and a rock for that team. You've got Lucas Williamson from Young and Cameron Crutwig. Uh, from Jacobs, who are instrumental, for, I mean, huge roles as freshmen. Um, and he's done a great job of building a culture there that kids that have won in winning programs, he, he targeted that, made that a priority, uh, character, and a lot of it's paying off. And obviously they're on their way to becoming the NCAA tournament team. As long as I didn't jinx him right now. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, and it didn't take a genius or Sherlock Holmes to figure that out. We spent all of last year talking about how Loyola did a great job recruiting. And it's already paying off. Right. And and, and then I don't want to degrade any of our state schools, but a, a, a lot of them, I mean, I, and this is from what I've heard, just aren't super appealing to a lot of, I mean, a lot of players. If you look, they're, they're not even. They're leaving the Midwest. They're getting out. They're getting. They're going south. They're going to out east. They're going out west. I mean, um, it, it's just a different feel as far as recruitment, uh, and, and it's become more difficult, I think, for the locals. Now, what could change that is some winning. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, I'll say the most of the Illinois state schools are not in the most desirable locales. No. Um, and they're not academic powerhouses. No. And then they're not winning. So, right. so what are you left with? I mean. Right. That's troublesome. Um, um, ag- yep. uh, agreed. And I guess as far as the bigger, you know, the elite players leaving, you know, we, we know why. That, that's been well chronicled. But now we have a new wrinkle with Taylor Norton Tucker where they pulled his scholarship offer. So that's hilarious, um, and well, yeah, I mean that, that's fans, yeah. no, and, and and what's what hurt? You know, a lot of people were tweeting and texting, and over, more so this weekend, I think, because Taylor Horton Tucker was on TV going crazy, yeah, but about that, and and just what a huge miss, and, and I, I I tweeted, I don't know, you can't even count it as a like all the misses they've missed on from. Cliff Alexander to Jalen Brunson to Tyler Euler, to whoever, Kata Bates, Diop, those were misses. This one is different in a, I don't know if it's a bigger hit because they could have had them. It's not a, you know what I mean? You, you didn't miss on them and lose them to a school. You had a chance to, you know, it's just completely different um, in that regard. Yeah, quite, quite odd. Um, all right. Two takes. You want to start us off, Joe? Yeah, uh, my, you know, watching Simeon and Orr all year long, and I know they were, you know, showcased yesterday in the in the biggest game, featuring the best teams and the most hyped game of the year, and they lived up to it, looked apart, so much so that I'm kind of reiterating something I've hinted at and talked about, but I'm even more demonstrative than saying, and, and Mike may disagree with part of what I'm going to say, but as one of the appealing things to me going into March and one of the storylines to follow is how big of an upset will it be if Simeon loses in 4A or Orr loses in 2A? Uh, Is this the most dominating teams that we've seen in years over the last three decades? Maybe not, but... In this window of the 2017-2018 season, 
they are dominating and they are playing, I think, at an extremely high level for their respective classes. And it makes it to the point where it's become a huge monster upset if, if they weren't to win their state championships. Yeah, I meant you, I meant to say that, you know, Mike might disagree because I know you have some 2A schools that you think can maybe beat or, and, and maybe they can. I, I just, I just think these two are so far ahead of everybody else when they're playing at the top of their game, which you expect the best teams to play at the top of the game in March, that I think it's going to be a monumental upset uh, of huge, I don't say epic proportions, but pretty monster when it comes to high school upsets if these two were to lose in their respective classes. Yeah, for Simeon, I mean, yeah, you have to hundred. I mean, obviously, I've not seen Belleville West, so but until that point, anyone beating Simeon, yeah, would hundred uh, percent agree would be complete monster upset. And as you said, I'm not as I don't feel that way at all about or. Um, be, I mean, yeah, they beat Uplift by like sixty, <laughs> didn't they? In that first game, it was like ninety something to thirty something. Um, and and Leo's in the way. I'm actually a little worried about Or in the playoffs. That they just yeah, a, a bubble I, just I, got popped. They are. This is not a team that is talked at all about the state tournament. It's just not been a part of their season. They wanted the city title, and they're gonna have to find a way to regroup really quick. That part you're right. You're, that part you're you're correct on, but I I do think this time. Well, I guess there's not time. No, <laughs> I forget the two ways right away. Um, I I just think that you get recharged quick when you get, and I know it was important, and they wanted a shot at Simeon, and they wanted that coveted city title that they don't have. You could hear it in their voices talking about it. You could. In my preview story, I was listening to Lou Adams talk. I completely agree with you that it was a, a devastating blow. There were tears, all that. But I just think you get pretty recharged the further you get along in that state tournament run. Yeah, and, and, and they do have some time because they're not going to be challenged, right? you know, this week. So you're looking at, what, next Wednesday, like the 28th? Is They, they have until then to kind of get things together for uplift. Um, so yeah, th- th- that'll help. I think a lot, get a little bit refocused, have something to play for, but yeah, it's a good boy. The flip side of that, not to get too off track is man, Taylor Horton Tucker, all he talks about is winning state. I mean, he went out there and dominated the city title game, but before it and after it, the thing he's most is talking about is winning the state title. He's obsessed with it. That's kind of Simeon though. I mean, that, that, do you know what I mean? It, it can be. It kind of depends on the. But for Talon, since he's already got all those city titles, and he knows for his big legacy at state. I mean, I've had Simeon teams that really wanted the reverse, uh, but this, yeah, for this team, for this group of players, they've the city tournament is old hat, um, and so that's scary. That should be that should scare the rest of the state. You just saw what they did on the thing that isn't even their focus. <laughs> I mean, that's. Oof. Yeah, I, although I think the the I think I think they were more charged up and fired up because they were playing or because of everybody talking about this is or shot at Simeon and or this and or that and if you lose you got no sh- I mean if Simeon's playing Young or Curie or somebody else in the city final and, and they lose I mean it, it it's gonna sting but you can wash it away with a March run for the most part yeah and the Simeon um, players did say that that. Part of the, they they didn't play well against Young and that wasn't a good game, but they kind of blamed it on Young. That Young didn't really bring it. That they didn't feel challenged. You know, it's kind of a weird thing to say about a team that beat you for the state title last year, but but that's how they felt. They just thought the game was kind of lame, and they didn't need to give their all. And they did win kind of easily. So that was interesting. Um, I guess my first take, kind of a it's also a rambling. I mean, last night was a big night, so I think it's it's worth us talking about. Um. Wanted to say a couple things about it. Um, a, you don't want to be the guy complaining about the refs. And overall, I, I didn't have any issue with any fouls called, you know, or how the game was called like that. But this technical foul extravaganza that has gone on this season in high-profile CPS games is ridiculous. There were four technical fouls in that game, and I'm not sure there should have been one. I didn't see anything. There was no... I mean, it's just... 
we, we have some refs around now. It's just, it's getting out of hand and everyone agrees. It's not one team or one coach. We've got some problems and it's ruining the high profile games. And it's pretty upsetting. It's gone on for two years now. I mean, it's just, and for the, yeah, that's how I was going to say. I mean, yeah. I, I, I think it's, for, it, it's crept up for a few years for the or kids. I mean, that, that bench technical that forces Lou to sit down early in the game you know, they're all mentioning that afterwards. It just kind of takes your steam. It's just, it's a rough blow early. You already got to play Simeon. <laughs> and now, a few minutes into the game, your coach can't stand. It's just, why do that? You know, just, why are you ruining our games? <laughs> I don't, I, so that that was upsetting, and that that's too bad. You know, it, I don't think it probably affected anything in the end. I just don't understand why it's going on. Um, other thing about that game, I wanted to mention Chase Adams because, I mean, I don't think anyone would have imagined a year ago that he would have been the leading scorer for a team in the city championship game. I mean, but that's what he's become. It's happened kind of slowly this year, but he has really had an impressive season on a high-level team, and he proved it against the best team in the state you know, last night. I'm really impressed with him. I don't – who knows about college, and I don't want to talk about that, but – a year and a half, and definitely two years ago, it seemed like Chase Adams was going to be this eighth-grade phenom that just kind of washed away in high school. You know, it wasn't there. We weren't talking about him. He just wasn't a part of what we talked about, even on No Shot Clock. But here he is now, and he is a major focal point. I mean, the biggest game of the year, going to make this state title run. And So I think he deserves a lot of credit for acclimating to high-level public league basketball really quickly and becoming a force. Um, at five foot eight. At five foot eight. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> I mean, so it props out to him. The kind of last thing I wanted to say about the game, um, it was. I think it was really interesting. I I want to ask you, Joe. You can think about it while I rant for a little bit here. But how many? If if they those teams played ten times, you know, we like to do that. What the score would have been? I'll point out that, or what the how many each would have won. I'll point out, or really out-rebounded Simeon. My stat sheet's not right here, but I think it was like 34 to 24, you know, which is something, that's a reason all of us thought the game might be close, you know, that Orr had those bodies. And then, you know, I haven't gone back and watched it again, but I know, I was counting, I think they missed 16 to 20, or just putbacks and, and gimmies when they got to the rack. If half those go down, it's a much different game. I feel in a lot of ways, like Orr did what they wanted, it just didn't fall their way. And I guess my question is, had those things fallen their way, I think that just makes it kind of a tie game. And then what does Simeon do? You know, it would have been fun to have seen if it was close, you know, for that last quarter, kind of how it would have wound. Because it looked like Orr lost some steam, and they looked tired to me. But then at the end, they didn't wither away. They kept at it, and they seemed to get a second wind. So I, I thought it was a really good and a really fascinating and fun game. Um so yeah, what do you think, Joe? If they played ten times, how many? Did well, I, I I know what you're saying because what Orr was able to do, but I, I the thing I was the thing that stands out to me between these two teams, is, and this is like your reason that Orr isn't as good as last year's offensively ball movement. You stated that. My thing is, I don't think I don't think that's a real dynamite defensive team. I, I think there are breakdowns. I think. I just don't think they're that type of a, a, a team that – well, Simeon, that, that's my big thing, is uh, Simeon defensively is so sound. And Simeon also, I think, offensively, and this has been their case for a lot of a lot of their great teams, can play fast and they can play slow in the half court, and they, and they seem really comfortable doing it. You combine those things, that's why I think I, – I think Simeon wins 7 out of 10 – if you ask me the 10 games, um, maybe even eight. I, I think Orr may gets a couple of wins. I just that, – that defense is so, such a constant for Simeon. And when Orr – you know, yeah, Talon hit some crazy threes. and But when their run happened and they, they, they extended that lead, it was a combination of, of, of Simeon's defense, but also Orr's lack of some easy buckets um, – so I, I just, I just think Simeon's just so stinking good, and uh, and, and as a basketball team, this is not the most talented Simeon team that he's ever had at, at Simeon. Uh, and I'm not saying it's not talented; it's ridiculously talented. But them together, cohesiveness, chemistry, both ends of the court, 
I mean, what? And they got just enough perimeter shooting with with Taylor Horton tucking and Pittman. I mean, the only question mark you ever talk about with Simeon is their size, which high school basketball doesn't really have much of, and you know just their presence inside. And Messiah Jones plays. I mean, he's six four and a half, six five, and he plays like he's six eight. You know, with his rebounding defense, and Taylor Horton Tucker plays much bigger than his six four size. So, um, yeah, I, I think Simeon wins seven or eight out of ten. Yeah, I agree. Seven was the number I had. I thought about it a lot last night. I think it would have been closer a lot of times, but I still think Simeon pulls it out in the end. And kind of the the opposite of what I said, you know, Messiah Jones was on the bench a lot, and he if they play ten times, he's not going to get in foul trouble every game. You know, and that probably helps Simeon a lot. But yeah, that was a it was a fun game. I really enjoyed it. Thanks to everybody for coming out. You know, that crowd was just I I can't remember. It's been years since I was at an event have, like that. Do they have an official count ever? No, I can FOIA yeah. it. <laughs> Maybe I will. Um, I'm just curious because I mean, it wasn't sold out, but it was obviously yeah. The big I mean, it was a huge crowd. Um, my second take is, I actually wrote a little bit about it coming up in my column coming up this week, but the pairings came out, IHSA brackets, and as I got to thinking about it, I was excited because Simeon, who we just talked about, is clearly the best team in Illinois. And we are thinking just based on results, personnel-wise, as well as my glimpse at them last summer, that Belleville West is most likely the second best team in 4A. So they are on, you know, this collision course that won't meet until the final night of the high school basketball season. Why I think that's so significant, if it materializes, is one, you've got your two best teams in the state of Illinois from two completely different geographical regions meeting, you know, south and the north, meeting central Illinois, and also with the two best players in the 4A state playoffs. Taylor Horton Tucker, who is arguably the best senior in Illinois, and EJ Liddell, who is my number one ranked junior in Illinois. And I, I just think what this season could really use is, is just this big, huge opportunity to showcase the very best on the biggest night of the year, which is the state championship finals in 4A on Saturday night. And I look back, and I'm trying to find out, and Mike, I mean, off the top of your head, I don't know if you remember, but when was the last time that kind of thing happened and where you knew the two best teams and the two best players were meeting? And I started to think about it, and it came to me where it hasn't happened much. And it's also when it has happened, I remembered them. You know, I remembered Peoria Central and Homewood Flossmoor when Sean Livingston and Julian Wright were meeting in the state championship. I think that was 2000, um, I think it was 2004. Uh you know, now Marcus Jordan wasn't the best senior in Illinois, but he was obviously a huge name for that Whitney Young team that won a state championship against Jeremy Richmond. But I remember going in that game thinking, oh, this is cool. This is a really big-time event. Jeremy Richmond loaded Waukegan, taking on, you know, the public league team, uh, Whitney Young with Marcus Jordan. Marcus Jordan scored 19 points in that championship game, win over Waukegan and Jeremy Richmond. But it just adds, you know, that's, you know, I, I know it's fun to have the Cinderella team and, um, you know, Julia Okafor's team playing against Bennett and see if they can upset. I, but for the, the norm, it's not been the norm to have the two very best teams, the two best players on the court. And, and that could materialize. Now they'll watch somebody get upset. But um, I, I just think that'd be great for high school basketball if, if it, transpired yeah no doubt um i immediately thought of the game you mentioned the livingston julian wright as well um i guess the brunson was it 2013 brunson simeon um but yeah, yeah we'd seen that before and it was more like a local thing but that one also came to mind and you're you're 100 I, I feel like it, i mean we're gonna get back whining about this but i feel like it used to happen more in two-class basketball yes um for sure yeah, right um but yeah, oh man, if we yeah, I agree. If we can get that Belleville West Simeon game, I feel like this season will have done all it could have. It, can, it would have given us Simeon or if it gives right. us that game, it gives us a breakout superstar in Taylor Horton Tucker that 
if you would have told us all of this back in um, November, we'd have been like, okay, sold. We'll take that. So that'd be fun. Let's hope for it. My second take, um, moments. You knew it had to be moments. Watch. Saturday, I headed down to moments. Watch them play Cisna Park. Um, first off, uh, talk about Lamar Lillard who is this senior, I was really impressed with him. I think he could start on most of the ranked teams around. I think he's a definite all-area candidate. Um, he can score. He can light it up shooting. But the defense was spectacular. And, you know, in a very controlled, fun way where he had four fouls with a minute left in the third quarter of a very close game, a game they were losing to Cisna Park for most of the game. Um, and he had, he'd led them back right into it. And, you know, they got a decision to make. Do they take him out? Do they leave him in? Um, they left him in. And he didn't just stand in the corner or play some shadow defense. He stole the ball three more times after he picked up his fourth foul. Manages to stay in the game until the last 30 seconds. Uh, Moments had a shot to win. His brother, Lamarius Lillard, missed a three, and they lost to Cisna Park. But it, it was kind of interesting because just a week earlier, same situation, Ayodosumu picked up his fourth foul with a minute left in the third quarter of a close game. Iowa went to the bench, didn't come back in until under four minutes left in the game. Morgan Park went on to lose at the buzzer to Young, and I, I kept thinking about how, I mean, I, you don't want to say Morgan Park would have won for sure, but you have to think Iowa DeSumo on the court for even two or three more minutes in it. You know, game that came down to the last shot would have made a huge difference. And, you know, I, Long-time listeners in O'Shot Clock, well, I'm getting off on this foul thing too much, but, man, I just don't I don't understand that. I just, I just don't get it. And a guy, a player as smart and as good as Io could have figured out a way to play more of that game, I think. But anyway, um, I think Moments is going to be interesting for sure in 2A. They're going to have a tough regional final against Watsika, um, a team I believe they've split with this season. Um, and then they'd face Corliss in the sectional final, but I definitely think they can play with Corliss. I think I might make them a slight favorite over Corliss based on what I saw, but um, definitely fun. And Cisna Park has a pair of twin brothers, about six, seven that are juniors. Their whole team is juniors. I wouldn't be surprised at all to see them at state next year. They might be a favorite, but I think they have a decent shot in 1A this year. They run into Aurora Christian, I believe, though. But, man, was it fun to see some smaller school basketball. It was a great game, one of the best games I've seen in the last month. Sisna Park making the uh, No Shot Clock podcast yeah. with Moments. Technically not in our in sometimes coverage area. That's why I had to write a losing gamer for Moments, but... Not bad. Sangamon Valley Conference action. They brought the crowd to Cisna Park on the road for a Saturday afternoon game in a snowstorm and moments. Cisna Park likes their hoops. I was impressed. Nice. Well, we are going to dive, like Mike said, we're going to dive a little bit into forecasting some of the state tournament. And in that regard, talking about some of the sports I guess you can call them sleepers. Uh, we're going to talk about teams that are not, that aren't seated among the top four teams in their respective sectionals, but who we think can, you know, make an upset or pull off an upset, yes, but also make a run. And that means knocking off, you know, one of those top four seeds. And we'll, we're going to go sectional by sectional, not every single team, but just those ones that we think um, can pull off. You know, some some March magic, I guess. And I, I guess we'll start in the Romeoville section on Class 4, and right away, Oswego East jumps out on me, Mike. And I, I just think they, they've won 13 out of 15 games. They also will be hosting a regional and playing Juliet Central team, likely if the seeds hold out, play out the way we think they will. They'd play them at home, and they just knocked them off recently. So Oswego East, you know, Ray J. Dennis is, I think, Ray J. Dennis and Trayvon Calvin of St. Viator are, are, are two juniors who have really, really raised their stock in my, my, my reports to college coaches and my rankings and all that. They have been uh, ter- have had terrific. He's averaging 17, 17 and a half points a game for Oswego East. Uh, and then, you know, Sam Schultz, the 6'7 uh, sophomore, is averaging a double double. So Oswego East is a five seed that, to really keep an eye on that sectional. Yeah, I um, boy, I really enjoyed watching Oswego East um, a little bit ago. Saw them play Aurora Christian, and you know what? I think I might have screwed Aurora Christian. 
the curse? No, maybe they should be ranked still. You know, Oswego oh, East because they is looking pretty good. A better, uh, yeah. And what Winnebago, you know, no real shame in that loss, and considering what the other teams in the rankings are doing. I think maybe Aurora Christian should have stuck around. But anyway, yeah, Oswego East is fun. I'm going to go see them, I think, this week. Um, I want to see Plainfield East. I haven't made it out to see them yet this year. Um, so that should be a fun game. I'm going to check out, I think, Wednesday. Uh, my team in this sectional in Romeoville, um, well, the one I wanted to talk about, my, my Andrew boys. I like their road. Um, they do have a tough first-round game against Plainfield North, who's playing well. But I think I like their matchup with West Aurora. Um you know, West Aurora's the two seed, uh, Andrew's the seven. I think they have a nice shot there. And frankly, I, I even like it a little further. They'd get either Lincoln Way East or Romeoville. I mean, Andrew plays with some spark. They're, they're a fun ball club. I'm going to be watching. So that, that, to me, is my team to watch. I mean, it's tough to pick them against West Aurora, but I wouldn't. I definitely wouldn't say it can't happen. And for a seven seed, I think they have an ex- excellent chance to at least show up, you know, in the in the sectionals. Yeah, I de- well, I mean, you mentioned the second, you know, if they get the big upset over West Aurora, I do like them uh, matched up in Lincoln Way East Romeoville yeah. for sure. Uh, I think that's going to be really difficult uh, to get by West Aurora because of their their overall athleticism. Um, and Plainfield North, you mentioned Plainfield North. I mean, they've won, they've won like six, five, six games in a row. So that 7-10 matchup, is going to be tough for Andrew uh, playing in Plainfield on a Wednesday night. So that'll be a tricky game. But, yeah, I, I that might be a regional championship game I'll, I'll, I might be at, uh, West Shore and Andrew. Um, the, um, I'm trying to, the Jacob sectional, Mike, is split into the, subs, the subsectionals. But is there a team? I guess it's hard to do. No, I, I have nobody in this um, because of that. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. Right. Uh, Glenbard East sectional, you know, it, it, this one has some, I'm, <laughs> I'm always talking about Batavia again, but, uh, you know, Batavia, because of their offensive potential that they have, and, and they have, they're a 20 win team. They don't have a lot of marquee wins, which has kind of kept them from reaching the kind of the heights I thought they would, they would reach this year. Uh, but they've had a really nice season. There's no question. They've got a lot of wins, but. They've beaten Naperville North, which is the number one seed in the sectional. So I like Batavia's chances against Wheaton South in a potential regional final. That'd be a 6-3 game. I think Batavia's very dangerous. Yeah, that's. Um, I feel like that whole little section there from Wheaton North to Wheaton South to Batavia could kind of go any way. Um, I liked Wheaton North when I saw them. I know they haven't had the greatest year or anything, but... Um, and that's no, and, and and they're playing well. We yeah. North playing much better. Um, I, 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 there's a lot of teams actually. I mean, Geneva. Yeah, this one here. is loaded. You got Geneva, the eight seed, Downers Grove North, the nine, and Willowbrook's a five seed. Um, that you know you could see doing some damage. I guess, and I feel like this sectional feels all messed up to me now that it's laid out bracket wise. I feel like there's like three teams in the Naperville North regional better than. I don't know. It's annoying. Like that Geneva Downers Grove North game. It's the regional semi is a great game. Um, I can see either one of those teams getting hot and knocking off Naperville North if things went right. Um, and even winning the sectional. Um, so yeah, this is an interesting one. I feel like there's just, it's almost hard to call well, anybody a sleeper. There's a, everybody's kind of equal to me. And, and yeah, Willowbrook's a five seed yeah. and they've split with Hinsdale South and that's going to be a regional final. That'll be at Hinsdale South. But if you had to pick a sectional as we do in this five through whatever seed teams, if you had to pick a sectional and, and you just said, hey, Mike, randomly pick a sectional that will have multiple five through, you know, that's likely not to happen. But if you had to pick one, this is probably the sectional without question that you would pick to have multiple five through eight, nine, ten seed type teams in, in, in a sectional. Probably. It wouldn't shock. Yeah, it think, wouldn't shock me if if to win Batavia it, yeah. was to win that regional, and um, Geneva has a shot at winning, and Willowbrook. I mean, there's three legitimate, you know, chances for five plus seeds to to win games. I don't think 
Bennett's losing their game, but <laughs> we just—I um, was gonna say—we just spent ten minutes talking about the sectional that Bennett's just clearly going to win. <laughs> so, so that was cool. <laughs> but uh, yeah. um, let's move along. Lake Zurich. Um, I, I just had one here. Um, well, there's one obvious yeah, one. Yeah, Conan got the five seed, which we talk about a lot. Um, and you know, but the road isn't super easy. They're probably gonna have to no. deal with Lake Forest early, and then a, probably a Libertyville team. Um, yeah, that Lake Forest game is is kind of scary with what yeah. Lake Forest has done. Um, and you're you're going in that regional final as a five seed with the two best players probably in the sectional. I mean, and Bryant Brown can make a case for it, but Drew Peterson and Libertyville and Ryan Davis Conant would meet in a regional final and. But Conant is your one team in there that, although I, I will say, <laughs> just shoot me now. Uh, Don't. Wa- no, no. no. <laughs> so we're, not, we're not doing that. Nope. Uh, <laughs> Waukegan as an 11 seed. Listen, Mike, they are. <laughs> Barrington is, is I, I, I know we haven't talked much about Barrington, but Barrington is not the second best team in the sectional. I mean, they just, they just are not the second-best team. Now, go out and prove me wrong, Broncos, and win the thing. But they're playing at Waukegan in the regional. Now, Waukegan's got to get by a little feisty, little scrappy Palatine team that is a seventh seed. But I wouldn't be shocked if Waukegan went into their gym, their state home, and, and won that regional. You want to play Bryant Brown and Waukegan in their gym in a regional final? as a, one of the mid-suburban league teams? I mean, I will go out and say that I don't have any doubt that Bryant Brown is the second-best player in this regional, or in this sectional, but there's they're going to lose to Palatine. Writing is right. on the wall the, this season. <laughs> Sorry, Bulldogs. I rode you as long as I could. <laughs> I'm, I did, I, we had talked about it, Mike. I didn't realize Bryant Brown missed three games. Yeah, um, I didn't have that. I didn't know that until recently either um so that's obviously a huge problem but yeah it's hard for me to have much faith there and you're right this is also because of the records of a lot of these teams they all beat up on one another you know everything ended up kind of weird um yeah uh, the main east sectional i've got uh i mean i think it's a no-brainer that you have to talk about main south and saint vider um main south is a five seed saint vider is a six seed main south this is a team I have liked all year long. I, I just, even from the beginning of the season, and I just think they, 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 they've got a lot of really nice pieces. Uh, they, they've played all the teams in the sectional. They've either beaten them or played them tough. And they've got size. They've got some experience. I, I, I like Maine South a lot as a five seed. It's going to be a, and they play the regional on their home floor, which would be likely be Loyola. And then the other one is St. Viator. I mean, St. Viator, from a talent standpoint, uh, Jerry Hernandez, Trayvon Calvin, you know, you and I watched them beat Marist recently. St. Viator's a really good, dangerous sixth seed that's going to have to play, however, at Niles North in the regional. Yeah, my team isn't – I mean, I agree both those teams. I mean, I think Maine South probably should have been – they're a power in this thing. I like Prospect, the seven seed. Um, they do have a tough first round, you know, regional semi against a Glenbrook North team that's kind of overachieved a bit this year. Um, They're struggling. They've really struggled down the stretch, though. Yeah, so I, I, I think Prospect has a chance. You know, I think New Trier isn't it? I mean, New Trier, boy, we have not talked about them enough. There's a team that's just... But that, that's why I didn't include them, because New Trier has been so... I mean, they're probably the one ranked team we've that's yeah we've talked the least amount about. No doubt. I mean, what the heck happened in that Evanston game? I keep meaning to right. go find a game story. I mean, they destroyed them on Friday. Yeah, 16. I mean, they they haven't lost. I mean, since the holiday, and this is, they fell off all of our radar. Now we're completely venturing off. But uh, our whole topic here of talking about non-top four seats. But they, they fell off the map when they lost to, they've had a kind of an odd season. They were undefeated going into the holidays. Oh, Nutrier, Nutrier, Nutrier. Lost a first-round game yeah. and then lost again to Proviso. They lost two quick ones at Proviso, and we kind of forgot about mm-hmm. them. But since that holiday tournament, they've only lost one game, a one-point overtime loss to Evanston. They've won every game since. 
including beating St. Vider, including beating Maine South and Evanston and Larkin. So, Niles and Niles North. North. Yeah. So, I, that's why I, I'm like, you know what? Nutria must be, you know, I saw them at Christmas. I saw them beat St. Vider, and, and they beat St. Vider without Brayboy. They're but, arguably by a lot. The most, yep. Yeah, by mm-hmm. double digits. So, that's why I didn't include Prospect because I'm like, man, I mean, and, and the other thing is, I, is I, I think Prospect has overachieved as much as anybody this year. I really do. I mean, uh, Coach Camardell has done an unbelievable job with that group because I actually think last year's prospect team is better than this year's prospect team. Uh, and that's why I, I did not include them in my group. Uh, of, but, yeah, they, 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 are, uh, they are, in the grand scheme of things, a certainly a dangerous seven seed uh, and probably the toughest sectional. I mean, if, if this thing is redone right now, if they seeded today, Nutria would be the one for sure. Um, yeah, yeah based on everything. So, I mean, they, they have to be the clear favorite. So maybe you, you, you might be right there. I just, I, I can't trust the guards. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> I like talking to them. I was there when they beat Niles North. I just feel like when you get to the playoffs, I just don't trust the backcourt. Um, it's not enough for me. Um, all right. Thornton, Thornton. Thornton one's a, uh, I ended up with well, more than I thought semi- yeah, because after Simeon, it's just uh, yeah. Uh, Brother Rice is the four seed, so I don't know what you expect from them uh, because they've had some great losses that are magnified when it, when you start looking breaking down whether they can advance deep. They play Kenwood a five seed, uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, you have a lot in here. I don't have a lot. See, TF North uh, almost beat Hillcrest this week. Bro- yeah. Brother Rice might have their hands full game one. Um, we, we've seen they've had problems. I just feel like there's some teams here that have underperformed, and maybe they'll continue to underperform. But you got to – Like a bloom. Yeah, you got bloom. Sometimes we see those young kids, you know, late in the season playoff time. I would watch them. I think Thornton coming in as an 11 is severely misseeded. Um, they're not a great Thornton team for sure. But they're a whole lot better than a lot of the teams above them, I think. So I, I think it's quite easy to see. They're going to be in that regional final game, I would guess, against HF as an 11 seed. Um, they just Disson Oaklawn. Yeah, sorry, sorry, Oaklawn. So yeah, I think this is a little weird in a lot of ways. It wouldn't be surprising to see in the um, the regional finals the 10 seed Bloom, the 11 seed Thornton. Yeah, you know. Yeah, if you're talking double digit seeds. Um... That's weird. Yeah. There's nowhere else I mean, where I'm like saying there's 10 and 11 seeds that might be the favorites to play in the regional finals. So that, that's a little strange. Also, hey, how about Sandberg? You know, they've been doing some weird stuff this year. All those uh, Windy City Magic kids playing together. They might get their shot at Simeon. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I don't. I'm just I'm having a hard time buying into Thornton. I just, I mean, they had some bad losses. Recently. I think they lost to Lincoln Way Central by 17. Um, last week, lost a Thornwood by double digits. Andrew took them apart. Um, yeah, but they just have to beat Argo and Oak Lawn. Well, yeah, but you're you're saying win a regional. Yeah, and then they got to knock off HF. HF's playing well. Yes. Uh, but yeah, um, Riverside Brookfield. Looking at those uh, lower seated teams. A couple of there's been a lot of inconsistency with with some of those. I, I mean, Proviso East has been very up and down. They've they've scuffled here. They're the five seed. You know, I, St. Joe's. I don't know. I mean, can you trust or buy in? Lincoln Parks lost four or five in a row heading into the. I don't know. I. I What 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 top four seed do you see losing to one of those I, I, sleeper seeds? I think Oak Park has the most trouble here. The three seed, they will have. I mean, they're gonna even a first round matchup against Prosser isn't easy. Then they're gonna have to play either Lincoln Park, the six seed, or Lane, the ten seed, at Lane. Um. And Lane's got some size. They got the shooters. To me, that that's the one part, the only three seed I really see 
top four sorry top four seed i see in jeopardy here um just because the place they have to play these teams at too and we don't know what's going on with lincoln park we've had terrence shannon not playing some games chris roberts playing little low minutes so if somehow they became what they were for a brief period this season i mean that's a heck of a problem for oak park but yeah otherwise five straight losses man that is and a long layoff I mean, Lincoln Park and Lane, at Lane, that's going to be an interesting regional semi. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm not saying York will beat Curie, but especially at Curie. Uh, and if York can get by Riverside-Brookfield, just it, it would be an intriguing game to see their style and system. And, and York's going to be very good next year. They return basically everybody from this team that's that's had a decent year. They've, they've been very competitive. But that would be a, a, a weird game, uh, York at Curie in a regional final. Yeah, no doubt about that. I really um, was really impressed with uh, – you've talked a lot about a lot of freshmen this year, but York freshman Jeff Grace saw him this week against Oak Park. He was really assertive, only scored like nine points or whatever. It wasn't the highest-scoring game, but I liked what I saw out of him. He was a really intriguing, I, I think, prospect and high school player. And then 3A, there's not a whole lot. Mike and I talked about it briefly before the podcast, and uh, I don't know. There's not a whole lot of 3A. Mike had a couple that he thought might be able to make some noise, I guess. Some and CPS stuff was a little weird. Yeah, I was trying to... Um, Clemente, you mentioned. Yeah, um, that Farragut might have to play Clemente at Clemente. Farragut's got injury problems. Reggie Strong, you know, their point guard has had some illness stuff. They don't have any size. That That's kind of an intriguing matchup in a 3A regional. Farragut's the one seed, and Clemente's an eight, so that would be a massive upset. Also, um, Perspectives, MSA has a West – they're 12 seed. They're going to play Westinghouse, which is a six. Westinghouse has not had a good season. I'd keep an eye on that one. And then Crane is the five seed. I think they've got a really nice chance to beat King in the regional final. I'd almost make them the favorite. Um, but it's at King, and that's a tough place to play. So those are the kind of the ones I saw to watch. Do you think we lose listeners when we go to 3A? Um, I don't know. A lot of people get mad. <laughs> that we don't talk enough they, 3A? They anger us. We're disrespecting all of these schools, Joe, because the IHSA put them in a stupid, nonsensical tournament. Um let me tell you, the Joliet area is hot to trot. Dick Goss has already written a story about the excitement that the Providence Joliet Catholic play-in game will, mm. will create. Because whenever Providence and JCA match up, it's magical. All right. So. And they get to play another Marian Catholic? In the- yeah, exactly. Yeah. But and the, the funniest part is, I'm not even making fun of Dick Goss or anything. Dick Goss is a legend. I love the guy. Um Anybody, he's he's right, except for the fact that this game's being played in Olympia Fields. <laughs> oh. It's like, what? Yeah, that's, that's that loses some of the buzz. I mean, he's right. Providence Joliet Catholic, a Monday night. I'm sure the Joliet folks would come out to check that out. You know, people like that Catholic school battle stuff. They're not going to Olympia Fields. <laughs> Neither will I. Yeah. Anyway, um, 6 p.m. start, too, so good luck getting from Joliet to Olympia Fields um, at rush hour. That'll be fun on I-80. Well, next week we'll do our picks, huh? Yeah, we'll, uh, week we'll, we'll We'll do our, our, our picks and our, break down that whole state tournament. Figure this out. Let me see. We do have a – I'll quickly hit this list of uh, this week's games. Sorry, bear with me. I uh, got all excited about Joliet Catholic versus Providence and lost the place in my book. Um Tuesday, Jacobs McHenry, nice matchup. Uh, Plainfield East, Oswego East, I talked about that. Bolingbrook Lincolnway East should be good, and Prospect Barrington. So you know we like to. It's a weird week, and things seem meaningless, but a lot of these teams could get some momentum, you know, in some big games like that. Then Wednesday we have basically become one of the bigger rivalries around Wheaton Warrenville South at Naperville North. Then uh, Bennett at Marion Catholic, Mundelein at Lake Zurich, and then we got the title games um, in the MSL and West Suburban. So that's Oak Park, Hinsdale South. So that should be good. And the MSL is uh, what Prospect Barrington. I think I've never asked. I never really have asked about 
how big those games are, mean to them. Oh, it was massive last year. I was at the Prospect Fremd game at Prospect. Crazy, huge atmosphere. Big deal. Um, Although those were two pretty darn good, I mean, seasons. Wasn't Fremd unbeaten? Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that was a lot of fun. I, I'd say mixed bag. I, I end up going to those all the time. So a lot of them have been great. I've never been at one that was a real buzzkill that nobody cared. It's usually pretty good crowds for those crossover title games. Um, Thursday, looks like I was really reaching here. Um, Rich South, Crete Moni, and uh, <laughs> Manuka heading to the barn to play the Steelmen. Um, Friday, we have Carmel at Bennett, TF North at Lamont, Kankakee at Bloom, St. Joe's at Prosser, and then we got 1A regional finals, 2A regional finals. We didn't talk anything about that stuff, but th- a lot of interesting matchups there. And then Saturday, the Noble Street, uh, the Noble Schools Championship, which I've covered the last couple of years. It's Butler Bulls Prep this year. Haven't decided if I'm going to go or not. But that is the final week of the regular season. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We will be back next week with the big playoff preview.